This is Alicia Free, a badass belly dancer, musician, and real food enthusiast, here to help you feel a little lighter. Each show will dive into music that makes us want to dance. We'll share secrets of looking smoking hot in costume and everyday life. We'll dote on delicious whole food that makes us glow. And I'll throw in a damn sexy dance move you can try at home. Imagine a gorgeous brown skin dancer flecked in gold, taking the stage with yellow Isis wings unfurled. When she opens up her arms and looks up, it's like the sun is pouring into her soul. On her face, ecstasy. She dances and shines. At one point, she looks into the back of the audience and beckons. A fully costumed dancer emerges and joins her on stage. And then another. And another. Each uniquely beautiful and proudly honoring the one who invited them there, Nefertiti. That was my experience at the Art of the Belly Dance Festival on the ocean in Maryland when I saw our guest Nefertiti perform. This is going to be an incredible interview. Not only are we talking to an amazing, passionate dancer who lived in Cairo for years and has danced all over the world, Nefertiti is also a clinical sexologist who has been featured in Cosmo not one, but two times. And she hosts a radio show about sexual health and relationships called Brown Sugar Confessions. So we are all in for a treat. Thank you so much for being here with us, Nefertiti, a.k.a. Dr. Valerie Popple. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me, Alicia. I'm honored, and that has to be the most beautiful intro I've ever heard. <laughs> That's how you look to me in the world. I'm so honored to have you here. Thank you. I am honored that you asked me to come on your show, and hello, listeners out there. And I'm excited for this opportunity. Yay. So I was so excited to hear that you were recently featured in Cosmo. And when I asked you about the article, you said it's about Tarab. Can you tell us more about that? Sure. So I got the notice that the article was coming out in Cosmo. And I was just floored that it made it as a featured article. And I spoke about soul ties, soulmates, and ecstasy. And the combination of those three things, I had spoke in the Tarab class that I held at Art of the Belly in Ocean City, Maryland, how you can create ecstasy when you're dancing. And what does that look like on stage? Because, ooh, ecstasy and dancing is like, is it a drug? How does that come across? So I really broke it down for those that were in the workshop to take away the mystery of Tarab and how we can see ourselves in that moment of ecstasy as dancers and how we draw our audiences into us. So that's what the article mentioned. And then it went into a lot about soul ties and the good and the bad, the ugly of what soul ties are. And even as a dancer, when you're performing, let's say in a restaurant, being very mindful of soul tie connections with people while you're dancing. And that was a whole nother lecture that I went into during that class. But yeah, I think that everyone really got it when we finished up. One of the ladies said they went to church. It was a lot of tears. <laughs> Beautiful. So even being aware of a soul tie that could happen while you're dancing and there's a person in the audience that you've never met, is that what you're speaking to? Exactly. I've been in this field for quite a long time. And as a dancer, I'm always trying to get that energy connection with my audience. 
And there have been times when I've been in restaurants and I've looked out among people and I might have caught the eye of a young man and he began to stalk me. And one of the things I looked at as I matured as a dancer and as my work as a doctor in sexual health and relationships is understanding the energetic connection of a soul tie and how that even can manifest itself in something as beautiful as dancing. But some people receive your gift in a way that you did not intend for them to receive your gift, your gift of dance. And sometimes it doesn't always work out for us as dancers when that does happen. So I go into soul ties and even the workshop explained to the participants to be mindful when you're dancing and you're giving your energy. Be mindful of looking at someone to the point where you're in their soul and you're creating that tie. You know, I recall the gentleman that I danced for many years ago. And he's like, I thought that you knew me, like you were talking to me or dancing for me. It felt intimate. I was like, dude, I was just dancing for a whole room of people, you know, relax yourself. But he began to stop for a while. So I mentioned that in that class for us to be mindful of that surrounding. And the article goes into what the soul tie is, how it manifests itself. And, you know, what to do if you have a soul tied connection with someone. So that's kind of what I talked about in the workshop a little bit and how I put it all into dance. Because we are giving of our energy to people when we dance. We recorded this interview a while back and the Black Belly Dance Bundle that we are just about to talk about actually stopped being on sale back in February 2022. It is possible that there will be a future Black Belly Dance Bundle, and you should keep your eyes out for it because Ebony Qualls, featured in episode 57 of this podcast, might just put another one together for you. Hooray for the first Black Belly Dance Bundle. I'm so excited to start scheduling my pre-recorded classes with Lady Liquid, Ebony Qualls, Danielle Hutton, and more fabulous dancers who are part of that. And you are going to teach about the pelvic floor in a lecture called To Tuck or Not To Tuck. Can you give us a little preview of that lecture? Sure. One of the things that I love to talk about as a dancer that's aging, because I'm old as crap, (laughs) is the importance of having a strong pelvic floor. If you've had children, if you're aging, going through menopause, all of those things also affect your pelvic floor. And as dancers, we often don't think about how important our pelvis is in relationship to our movements. To have that ooey-gooey technique, to have clear technique, to have longevity in the dance. So in this class, I'm going to talk about the anatomy of the pelvic floor. We're going to go into why it's important to understand how the pelvic floor supports our bowel system, our urinary system. We're going to go into understanding how it changes as we've had children or as we're maturing and aging. And then we're going to go into posture. Is the tuck really good for the pelvic floor? Is it necessary for dancers? There's been a lot of research to tuck or not to tuck. And when it comes to belly dancing, ballet, et cetera, about tucking and where this tuck came from, the origination of tuck. 
And is it beneficial as we're dancing? And then we're going to go into understanding what a strong pelvic floor looks and feels like and what a non-strong pelvic floor looks and feels like on the dance body. And then we're going to go into technique and understanding how to strengthen our pelvic floor using the art of belly dance and how to drill. Like for an example, I think I did a little thing on the black belly dance bundle. I did like a two minute little blurb. And I said, one thing that I personally like to do is sit down and do an Egyptian shimmy, sitting down on the floor. As I'm using my quads, I'm also doing Kegels. And it's like the idea of like, you're patting your stomach and rubbing your head. It's like the two really don't make sense. <laughs> and it's like, hmm, let me see. But that's the kind of idea behind that. And I actually got quite a bit of feedback from people that were like, that makes sense. And this is also for those that identify as men, you need your pelvic floor as well. So you need to get on this workshop because it's not just at those identify as female, those identify as males, you need to be in that as well. Hmm. Yeah, men have pelvises. Like, <laughs> yeah, we don't think about that. It's for their sexual health too. You don't need Viagra. You need right. good blood flow down there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds very straightforward. If there's no blood, that yeah, yeah, you don't think about like men doing Kegels. Yeah, Kegels for dancers. So you're talking about doing it while you're shimmying. Are you engaging? Yes, you're engaging certain muscles that's going to help strengthen your pelvic floor. And you do them while you're shimmying, while you're doing your mayas. But then I'm going to go into technique and body positioning to help strengthen your pelvic floor. It's not just for urinary incontinence. It's for many, many things and the importance of having a really strong pelvic floor. Cool. All right. And so we have to listen to the lecture sometime to see if it's tuck or not tuck, what the research says. So that's exciting. Exactly. <laughs> yes. You've got to get the bundle. I'm not giving it all away, Alicia. Yes. I'm keeping it for the no. bundle. So yes, get that bundle. It's not too late. It's not too late. You can still get the bundle. I think, you know, if you got enough pull, whatever, she could pull that out, Ebony and Tiffany, and maybe they could pull it out. <laughs> you probably can still get in because yeah. I think there's lifetime subscriptions to it. It doesn't hurt to ask. That's for sure. Right. If you don't ask, it's an automatic no. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yep. Your interview on the Ask Me Anything series with Sarah Shrepnel was amazing. You talked a little bit about teaching well, belly dance you. to people with sexual concerns. And thank you. And one highlight is where you spoke about the kinds of orgasms and how to structure your shimmy to orgasm while you shimmy. Now, I told this to Jill Parker and she was like, I want to learn that. <laughs> you got to tell us more. I'm going to get dragged by the belly dance community for talking about sexuality and belly dancing. I can see it right now. They're going to drag me over the coals. <laughs> But you know, I'm just going to be frank with you. My husband loves when I dance for him. He's like, yeah, don't waste the hair and the makeup and the costume. <laughs> and if you choose a dance for your partner and you want to release physical energy while you're shimmying, that's between you and your partner and why not? And so I do talk for women that have sexual concerns, how you can use this type of dance as a way of, of therapy. So I call it therapeutic dancing that can help an identifying female get in touch with her body to be grounded. 
especially if you have low desire. It's really been known to help women have a higher drive for sexuality by moving their pelvis. I keep shimmying while moving the pelvis. And so I use that personally in my clinical practice for women of all ages that suffer from low desire. So that is one of the ways that I use it in a way for healing people that need it. Cool. Yeah, there's that line there. I was like, there's sex work and belly dance are not the same thing, right? And it's like, well, we're not talking Girl, about sex work. We're talking about sexual me. health, right? So. <laughs> I know, right? Much different, right? You know, I think oftentimes yeah. we're so skittish around talking about the sensual part of belly dancing, but it is quite sensual. It's quite beautiful. And as I mentioned, my husband loves when I dance for him personally, you know, and I, yeah, why not? I think my husband gets jealous that I don't think to dance for him. I'm like, I'll dance for this audience of strangers. But then my husband's like, yo, you could dance for me. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. <laughs> I forget. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, oh, no, my husband reminds me, reminds okay, they had you now. Now give me like a couple of minutes. I'm like, oh, okay, here I go again. You know, why waste it, right? <laughs> right. And you teach about Tantra, which I heard you say can teach you how to breathe through an orgasm. And I never realized before that we generally stop breathing when we orgasm. Tantra became very big in what late 80s when Sting spoke about, you know, he had six hour orgasms. I was like, that's a lot of orgasms, Sting. That's six hours of orgasms. <laughs> and many people got on the Tantra bandwagon, wanted to learn, wanted to prolong the release of orgasmic energy. And being a daikini, which means that I'm a tantra specialist, I teach tantra uh, all over the world, actually. And one of the benefits of tantra, and not to mention the connecting of your partner, is the ability to breathe through your orgasmic energy release. Oftentimes, we choose to hold our breath. If you think about your own release of energy when you're in that state of ecstasy, you might tend to hold your breath. That's why they call it the little death. Because you stop breathing. And the Tantra principle of breathing through it is about breathing all the way through to your pelvic floor, all the way out to elongate the orgasmic release and to have a deeper orgasm by breathing through it and not holding the breath. So there's lots of benefits, not only to the relationship, but also to the release of energy when you're understanding and practicing Tantra. How important the breath is in every part of our life. And breath is important when you dance, of course, and it's important during sex, breathing through that amazing moment where it, it could turn exactly. into 15 of them, 15 orgasms in one it, session. Exactly. Like, that blew my mind. I heard you say that. <laughs> you can have a lot more. Breathe through it. <laughs> and it's a beautiful way of connecting with your partner when you're able to release energies together and using the breath control, using Tantra Kiss to elongate it even further. So there's so many modalities of understanding how energy and breath works when you're releasing orgasmic energy in the world of Tantra. So I advise anyone that's listening to this podcast that may have questions, just reach out to me. I'm more than happy to answer them and to help you out if you want to learn more about it. All right. So this is a great time for me to mention your website. It's Swan Center. Now, Swan has two ends. Swancenter.com is where you can see more about Dr. Valerie Popple's offerings, who's the other side of Nefertiti or the same side. I, I don't know how <laughs> you feel about it all, but sex coaching, awesome resource, awesome gift to give somebody. I don't know how you would present a gift like that. <laughs> 
<laughs> you get it for yourself as a gift to somebody. <laughs> exactly. Hopefully people will be comfortable with understanding and talking about sexual health and sexual wellness. And it stops being a taboo. Oftentimes people get very giddish about it. They shy away. They giggle. They are very uncomfortable just talking about that, which is a very natural part of our self-expression and our love center. And I hope people, maybe not in my lifetime, <laughs> one day will get comfortable with understanding that energy force and how valuable and beautiful it is when you're connecting with someone from your heart center. And as a clinical sexologist, I work with couples and individuals that have a myriad of sexual concerns. So yeah, reach out. Alisa gave you the website. <laughs> yes. This is a belly dance podcast, but this shit is important, right? So <laughs> if you're listening and you're like, sex coach, yeah, I need that. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Valerie Popple is Nefertiti's other name and she's easy to find online and she does coaching online and in person on low sexual confidence, no orgasms, porn addiction, early ejaculation, sexual shame, sexual identity, and more incredibly important topics that help us become fully expressed humans. Right. So I used to work Absolutely. at Planned Parenthood and oh, I just loved having such open conversations at work. <laughs> about sex and sexuality, mm -hmm. right? Would you like to say anything more about your sex coaching services? Sure. Coaching is a small portion of what I do in the world of clinical sexology in the Swan Center. We also do sexual research, sexual science studies. I'm affiliate with many universities and affiliates all over the world where I work with understanding sexual medicines, doing research around the pharmaceutical industry. So I often tell people that the field of sexual health is growing and emerging. In Europe, it's quite large. In the U.S., it's still quite small. And we also run a clinical sexology certification program for those that choose to work in the field of sexual health and sexual wellness. And it's about a one-year program that someone can take if they want to continue their studies. We have CEUs that we offer for LSCWs, for even our MDs come take this course to continue their education or for those that actually want to get certified as a clinical sexologist. So yeah, check it out and reach out to me. That's way more than sex coaching. That's Very fantastic. <laughs> training the next generation. Yeah. <laughs> In this country, I hope so. I hope we get away from the shame and guilt around pleasure. Mm -hmm. You're supposed to be working. Work, work, work. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and what is the best way for us to listen to Brown Sugar Confessions, your radio show, if we're outside of Delaware? You can listen to Brown Sugar Confessions through streaming service as well. It is on YouTube under the name Brown Sugar Confessions, as well as Instagram and all those other places out there. It's live on Wednesdays in Delaware at Power 1017. And the radio station also streams it as well. So actually, we have a lot of people in Egypt. Besides Delaware, Egypt is the second largest streaming platform of people that we have coming in. I think it's quite funny that many of my That's Egyptian amazing. friends are still listening to it because <laughs> we get reports about you know which area is streaming. And Egypt is number two. So thanks, Egypt, for listening to it. But you can oh listen live awesome. on Wednesdays, even on the radio station itself. It streams directly to you. And if you miss it, then just go to YouTube and catch all the shows that we have. Because you can call in if it's a live show, right? So on Wednesday nights, you can yes, actually call can. in if you were on the radio station's website, it sounds. 
Yes, you can call in and ask a question. You can also email your question to us. You can text me the question and we'll read it on air and talk to you about it as well. So yes, it's very interactive and I think it's a lot of fun. Nice. So you're based in Delaware and you've danced and instructed on all seven continents. And when we were scheduling this interview, you were on your way to Tahiti. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> which is awesome. And yes. the photos that you and your partner posted were stunning. And photos of how your body was painted. Was that in Bora Bora? You had your body painted by world champion body painters? I did. Scott Frey and Madeline Frey, I believe is how you pronounce their last names. They're five-time world champion body painters. Some of the best in the world. Well, I guess to be a five-time world champion, you have to be the best in the world. And I had followed them for many years and they were in Bora Bora and I had asked to have my body painted with them. And they said, what do you want, Val? And I'm like, oh, just do whatever. And, you know, they're not cheap. (laughs) So I said, oh, just like hundred bucks worth of paint, you know, it's going to wash off. Right. Well, they kept painting and before you know it, they did my whole upper torso. And it was absolutely amazing. And by the time they were done, they did the Kundalini Rising, which is a Tantra symbol in my stomach. And they also did the pharaohs on my chest and paint. And they had no idea of my connection to Egypt. So it was a really fascinating experience with them because they like, we don't know you, you don't know us, but I painted your life on your body. And I thought it was quite beautiful. And it lasted for three days. They seal it on your body. I was like, can I share? Like, yes, no oils, no lotions, you know? So I told my husband, I'm going to be a little funky for the next few days because I'm just doing the dot and I's and crossing the T kind of thing. I'm not getting in there. (laughs) He just started laughing. He's like, yeah, for that price, you better make it last. Yeah, it was quite something. And they had the evil eye and my throat chakra. And they knew nothing about my dance connection, me living in the Middle East. They knew nothing about my Tantra teachings. It was really an amazing experience with them. And if you ever check them out, they're in a lot of festivals and they travel all over. And this is their art is, you know, body painting. And it's quite magnificent. Now, if you're on Instagram, you can see the body paint if you go to Dr. Underscore Valerie, Dr. Underscore Popple, P-O-P-P-E-L. You can see. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Did you tell them your name was Nefertiti? No. Mm-mm. No, that's mind blowing. They had no idea. I, wow, they were blown away. I was blown away. They knew nothing about me. No, nothing. Wow, <laughs> it was really quite unique that they were able to capture the essence of who I was and what I do, just being their muse and just the energy that we just had together. So I'm telling people now, if you opt to get body painted, not the kind at the kids party, but like professional body painting. <laughs> Mal and Scott are the way to go. So check them out. They're on Facebook as well. He does amazing work. You founded the Jewels of the Orient Wellness Festival, Samba Belly Fitness, Belly Dancers of Color Magic Group, and Minot Dancers of Color Wellness and Dance Retreat. You have created so much Can you tell us some of the impacts of these projects and some highlights that make you proud? 
Oh, wow. I have a moment of reflection here. Each project has made me very proud of the community. I started Jewels of the Orient when I came back from the Middle East. One of the people that I absolutely loved, Ida Noor, I would always go to the Nile Group Festival when I lived there. And I just fell in love with the Nile Group. And I wanted to bring some of that energy back to the U.S. when I returned and I produced this belly dance festival. And I really want to showcase dancers from all over the world and have elegance and classy and beautiful with diverse teachers. So about 10 years ago, when I started it, I really looked to bring like one or two international stars and then local stars and then our rising stars. And then I also added competitions to it and development courses so that Dancers that chose not to compete, that just wanted feedback from judges, they were able to get that information back during this festival. And it was also about building community. And then COVID hit, and of course, everything went in hiatus for a while. But uh, being at the Art of the Belly and the community asking us to bring it back, I guess I'll bring it back. <laughs> I felt the call yeah. to bring it back because it's something that I just love to do. And Sama Belly Fitness is the fitness side of belly dance. And we use music, we fuse it with reggaeton, with belly dance, with other Latin type of dances. We also add African dance, hip hop, and it's a myriad of different dance styles into what we call Sama Belly Fitness. And we teach, we have instructors that are in various gyms that teach this style of dance fitness that is comparable to a Zumba class, but it really does get the body in shape very quickly. Lots of high energy workout and it's belly dance centered. So it's a lot of fun to get certified for that. And you can reach out to me on the Swan Center and just drop me a line if you have interest into learning about Samba Belly Fitness. Very cool. I decided about four or five years ago to form a group for dancers of color from all over the world. And the idea was for us to have a safe space to talk, to share, to grow and learn from each other. And it is the Belly Dancers of Color Magic Group. Manat Dancers of Color is now its true name because we chose after we were educated by dancers of the culture to drop the word basically belly dance. So we've changed the name of the group, but it was a group that was started just for that reason. So we could learn and we've had our shows in the group. We've traveled within the group. We've done workshops and we support each other financially and getting individuals names out there to our community and also outside of the community so they can get to know other dancers of color. There are many more than just five or six. There's hundreds of them. And so at the Belly Dance Bundle, this was a way for us to form something for the community, especially that was not being seen and recognized several years ago. And from that, we had started um, a not Dance of Color retreat that we had to cancel because of COVID. It was supposed to be last year in September, but we shelved it because of COVID. So we just actually talked about it at our, the Valley that we're going to produce that next year. So look out for that. It's going to be really unique. It's a retreat. It's not a festival. I will tell you that. So it's not going to have all the glitz and glam. It's a retreat. And we're building what that's going to look like and how it's going to benefit the dance community at large. Not only Manat dancers, but dancers from every walk of life, from every culture and race will be included in this retreat that we're putting on. So cool. 
Oh, thank you. You know, years ago, I was so in the dark. I feel like I didn't realize that all these posters and all these festivals had just white people on them. I didn't think about that and how much was missing. I really Mm -hmm. appreciate all this work that you've done and how you've enriched our belly dance community in the U.S. and internationally with just thinking differently and thinking like, these are the people we're featuring. Who's missing? You know, so it's beautiful. Right. That's a good question, who's missing? And I have to say, it's not just me. There's many other dancers of color that are getting the word out and we're promoting each other in this art form, which is beautiful. That's community. Telling someone to hire this dancer or go here, or this one's amazing. You know, having that log of referrals and your database is very important as you're starting to get yourself out there and if you're also experienced. So I do want to say, it's not just myself, it's really the community that's actually being seen and being heard. Beautiful. Ah, Great. Jelena of Jelena's Belly Dance Experience mentioned you and the Belly Dancers of Color Magic Group in the interview I did with her back in episode 62. When she mentioned you, she was talking about how awesome you are. And I was like, who's Dr. Valerie Popple? (laughs) Who's Nefertiti? So yeah, it took me too long to find out about you. Wow. Thanks, Jelena, for the shout out, girl. (laughs) Yeah. I appreciate you. Nefertiti, when did you decide to focus on Egyptian rock sharky as your primary style? That's a really good question. In my late 20s, I fell in love with all things Egypt. (laughs) And when I first started out, I actually was an ATS dancer. And people don't know that, but that's when I first started out. I did that for four or five years. And then I happened to see someone. He was from Egypt and he was at a workshop and his name escapes me now. He's in Jersey. And I saw him dance. And I just remember my mouth opened up. And that's when I really got serious about Egyptian style dance. I've always danced. I have family members that came over. So I've always seen the Middle Eastern influence. I've always been around my own cultural dance since I was 12, 13. But it really struck home for me as maybe I could really do this when I saw him do it in my late 20s. And I began to be a student and digest all things of the culture and understanding some of the language nuances. When I went to Egypt, of course, learning a little bit of Arabic. Actually, I learned quite a bit, but I totally forgot it all. It's been years now. It helped me as a dancer when I started learning the language and really studying with masters from all over the world. And I found my safe place and I found this spoke to me more than anything else. And so I've stuck with it. And I always say I have Egyptian style influences, but I'm on my own individual. So I have my own flair, my own style as well. But my foundation is definitely in the Egyptian style, rock sharky type of dance. Cool. And so you lived in Cairo and for years you were mentored by several top teachers and you studied at the ISOC in Cairo. There was a teacher certification under the direction of Dr. Khalil as a member of UNESCO, which I had to look up. It means United Nations Educational, (laughs) Scientific and Cultural Organization. I had to look it up. (laughs) What are some of the jewels you still have with you from that experience? Professor Hassan is my, I want to say godfather, for lack of a better word. He's a man that's deeply impacted my life. And I just went back to Egypt. About a year and a half ago, I was there when I produced the show with Lucy and Ledge Called Legends. And he helped me understand that I am enough as I am. I'm enough. And he helped me understand that my style of dance is enough and it's good. 
And he helped me be myself in this art form. Don't try to emulate or be somebody else, but find my own place. And that is the biggest jewel for me when I was with him and other masters when I lived there is really being comfortable in my own style and not trying to be something that I'm not. I'm not Egyptian. You know, I'm not of the culture, but something about that resonates in my spirit. So I honor it by studying. I respect it by listening and I take from it, it's good, it's bad, and it's differences, and I wear it, and I wore it when I lived there. You know, I had some great experiences there. I also had some horrible experiences there. But all those things lend me to being a stronger dancer and a stronger woman. Yeah, living abroad can do that to you, right? <laughs> you're like, wow, this is yeah. amazing. And then the next day, you're like, oh, my God, I want to go home. <laughs> yeah, you know, you have to learn the language real quick and quit pointing at pictures for food. <laughs> <laughs> that's when I realized if they don't have any pictures, I'm going to starve to death. I need to figure out how to order food. And that's when I got serious with my Arabic. It was survival. <laughs> and it's so amazing to hear you say you go to one of the homelands of this dance that we love so much, one of the places it was really born. And they say, no, you do you. Like, I just think that's really amazing. Yeah, I think that it's attributed to Dr. Professor Hassan's ability just to mentor. And he's a phenomenal teacher and an amazing mentor for those that don't know him, get to know him and reach out to him if you really want to go to the next level of dance. Because I think it's very important that as a dancer, you're authentic to who your personality is. And if you're not, then you're just copying someone else. So he said, you're not Egyptian, you'll never be, but you can learn and have experiences and do that on stage with the way that you're able to bring it across to your audience. And I was received very well there. It was not a bad experience for me as a dancer overall. So yeah, I really appreciate him telling me to be me, but have the technique, have the education, but be me and put it in there. And that's what I do. Nice. And you're also a researcher. And when you were asked about cultural appropriation in the Ask Me Anything interview mentioned earlier, you said something like, if you don't understand it, don't do it. If you're going to borrow from a dance, know about the humanity that goes into it. Understand it first and do it with cultural respect. And this is a big one for all of us. Me, oh my God, I'm the first person who was like, oh yeah, I like that part of a dance. I'm going to take it and I'm going to put it in this dance without knowing what the hell it is. I've done that for so many years mm-hmm. until this recent you know, conversation has surfaced in my life. Where I'm like, oh my God, I've been doing this. So this is a big one for all of us who feel connected to fusion belly dance styles, especially where we get excited to take whatever we like often without having a clue where it comes from. So can you tell us more about that? Well, I can only share with you from my own experience. I think that's a fair answer to your question. When I lived in the Middle East and I worked there, I had the luxury of having privilege. And people say, hey, you're a black woman in the Middle East. Where was the privilege? I had an American passport. That's privilege. At any point in time, it got too rough for me. Things got too tough for me. I didn't like something. I could take my happy butt right back on the plane and come back home. Well, those of the culture that are living there, they don't have that luxury. Their passport does not allow them to just hop on to Europe or to the U.S. They have to go through things, which I wasn't even aware they had to go. And I realized the privilege that I had, that I could just take what I wanted from them. I could just be greedy and just, well, I'm going to take your dance. I like this part, but not this part. Like, I'm not going to be covered because I don't like that. 
or I'm going to take this kushiri, but not mashi because I don't like that. You know, I'm, I'm talking about the food now. I'm going to take this as a culture, but leave this behind because you know, I don't like it. And I thought that was very arrogant of me to do that. You know, I thought I was very selfish and I really had to do my own introspection into self to realize that that was my privilege talking with having the blue passport that let me go anywhere in the world that I could pay a visa for. I could probably get there. And when things got hard, how many of my friends that I left behind in Cairo when the uprising happened and they didn't have the ability to get on a plane like I did and leave. You know, they told me it wasn't safe for me anymore to go back home, but that they stood. And so I just realized, and I was humbled by realizing I'm privileged to take what I want from someone else's culture and then not take what they consider bad or what they don't want. And it spoke to me and I just wanted to do better in that. And I realized I just had to speak to that. It's not bad. It's not good. It's just a fact for me that I just took and didn't give back. And I realized that was wrong and I wanted to give back. So my give back was bringing over dancers from the Middle East, running festivals to bring them over, putting money in their pocket, giving back to a community and culture that gave me so much. And that was a valuable jewel. You mentioned jewel earlier that I took away from that. And so I hope that people listen to this podcast, realize how privileged we are that we can take what we want from other cultures, especially their dance but not have to wear other things that combine the culture, that cultural experience. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great point. You know, I was in Peace Corps and I was in Thailand and I had access to doctors. I had my parents' ATM card if anything went crazy. It's like, well, everybody right. else doesn't have that around here, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So you gave back by bringing the dancers over, featuring them and putting money in their pocket and honoring them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And recognizing them, acknowledging who they yeah. are. And, you know, I dropped their names, Aisha's and the Dr. Hassan's and the Lucy's and Adi Noor's and, you know, all the names that I dropped are those of the culture because oftentimes that even of the culture, the stance isn't looked favorably upon. So I respect that some people go against their family norms and their values and attitudes and beliefs in order to bring us this dance. And we don't realize what a sacrifice they do to give us this. And I think that sometimes we overlook that when we're just taking and taking how much those of the origin sacrifice to give us their art form. Great point. Feel good. Look good, Habit. Mm. All right, here I go. In other episodes of A Little Lighter, <laughs> I ask guests if they have a danceable ritual to share and a danceable song. To my regular listeners, you know that these are the parts that you know are in most of the podcasts. Right. A favorite dance move, a costume tip, a vegan whole food ingredient. In this episode, I wanted to focus on your sexologist expertise and leadership in our belly dance community, becoming inclusive and aware and anti-racist. So I'm going to end with one of the questions I consistently ask on this podcast because I know your answer is going to be awesome. Do you have a oh, feel Lord. good, okay. look good habit that you'd like to share? A <laughs> <laughs> feel good habit that I like to share before you step out on stage, exhale. That's my feel good habit. Exhale. When I hear them say my name and I inhale and my foot goes out, exhale it and I take the stage, that's my feel good moment. That's when I'm grounded on the exhale. 
So it's not even that sexy, mm. is it? <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you're all like ready to go and you have this aura of like, I'm the queen of the effing universe, it is sexy, I think. <laughs> Love it. Nefertiti, Dr. Valerie Popple, thank you so much for sharing your you experiences, your research, your history of you living in Cairo and dancing all over the world. And it's been really, really wonderful to spend a little time with you. And I'm sure everyone listening is delighted that they also got to spend time listening to your voice. And thank you so, so much for what you do for our belly dance community and what you're going to continue to do for the world and for people to feel fully expressed and happy and in their own skin. Thank you. Oh, thank you for having me. And thank you for the opportunity for me to talk to the dance community and maybe for those who are not in the community, but are just listening. So thank you so much for the opportunity. I appreciate you so much and the work that you do. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Please subscribe and let your friends know what you got out of this show. Dance with me on YouTube, listen to the music I've selected for you on Spotify, and try some free vegan recipes on AliciaFree.com. This is Alicia Free, hoping this show helped you feel a little lighter.